We had a collaboration with some Chinese com uh, Chinese uh, scientists. Here we have a vaccine. What is the problem? Get over it. What we are very proud of now is that we penetrate the cabinets. Seriously, I'm, I'm making a serious point. I don't know what half of them are protesting against. We've still got Fauci walking around free. The man should be in irons in the darkest pit. As much as he touts that he cares about it, he doesn't. This is our revolution. It's not theirs. Don't let them take it from you. Don't let them convince you that it's their revolution when in fact it's not. It's ours. And we will have it. It is Tuesday, the 22nd day of March, the year of our Lord, 2022. I am Johnny Anderson alongside Bruce Adams, and I can't believe that it's the 22nd day of March already. I, I just can't believe it because I thought that we'd literally just started March and now we're going into April. Anyway, how are you doing today, Bruce? Uh, doing good. Officially spring now. Yeah. It's good. Are you, is, there, is there something you're forgetting? No, I was thinking about saying it again. I know it's tradition, but... Uh... You know, times change. I don't know. Yeah, no. Times they are changing. <laughs> times they yeah, are changing. Yeah. <laughs> they are they, changing. They are changing. You know, yeah. I actually, um, my uh, my Spotify uh, membership, I canceled that uh, a while back. And you know how that whenever you can't, whenever they started doing like the crazy thing and they were like swinging band hammers and stuff, I was like, all right, I'm done with you people. So I I canceled it. And you know how every now and again when you when you cancel a subscription service, they will send you an email a few months later saying, hey, we'd really like to have you back. Would you want to answer this questionnaire? It'll only take five minutes and explain to us why you canceled. So it help us with our service and and uh, you know what we can do to to win people like you back in the future well they sent me one right that was their first mistake <laughs> well actually that was their second mistake their first mistake was actually losing someone like me as a customer uh, and other people like me that was their first mistake their second mistake was sending me the questionnaire that i answered honestly all the way through and at the end they said is there anything else you would like to add keep it to a 1200 <laughs> character maximum or whatever it was uh, i love it when they leave those blank ones yeah, yeah. at the end yeah 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 and oh boy, did I just lay it all out there about the wokeness. And at the end, I said, when it all comes down to it, times they are changing and the world is changing. Well, and they do. They're, they're like one of the biggest, you know, yeah. as far as. But it's still technically garbage when you look at it because they're, they're woke. They're, they're going political. I don't, you, as, as a business, I would rather you stay neutral just be a platform. Just don't get involved. Just, just be yeah. a platform. It's that simple. Just be a platform, please. That's all anybody's ever asked you to do. Just be a platform. That's what you've advertised yourself as, is a platform. Isn't that what Twitter and you know Jack Dorsey and all those guys, isn't that what they said in the early days? They said, look, we're not editors. We're not trying to be editors. We're never going to be editors. We're an open platform. We're like the community square. Okay, then act like it. Act like it. They still make the same argument they while still censoring do. people. Russia today has labeled Meta, which is the new uh, parent company of, of Facebook, because uh, does anybody not see a problem with this? And, and I'm, I'm just going to say this in general. Does anybody not see a problem with this? The fact that these companies become so big, they actually have to create parent companies of themselves. Does anybody not see a problem with that? Google had to do that. Google got so big that it actually had to create a parent company for itself because they're into everything. It's called Alphabet. Alphabet, 
Meta, these other companies are starting to, to come up with these ridiculous names. But the Russian courts today have ruled Meta, which is Facebook's parent company now, they've ruled that entire organization, which includes WhatsApp and uh, Instagram, Facebook, and all their little subsidiaries and everything they got their little tentacles into. They're now an extremist organization, and they are to be banned from the entire country from here on out. Why can't we do that? Why can we not do that? The first thing I thought when I saw that was, okay, they're not wrong. They're not wrong. That is an extremist organization, is it not? Yeah, yeah, I would agree. Yeah, there, there are a lot of extremists on there. Well, it's not just that. It's the people that work there. It's the people that work there. And by that, I mean, how many times did we see since the start of this, this whole COVID thing? You're banned if you don't toe the line. You're banned if you don't. And that, that wasn't the users. That was the company that was saying that. You're banned if you don't agree with the World Health Organization and the United Nations and Fauci and Gates and everybody else. If you criticize this narrative, you're out of here. We don't even want to hear it. And before that, they were just beta testing it here and there. If you challenged an agenda or, or something of that nature, a political agenda or whatever that was mainstream that was put out there by the establishment, then you were delisted, shadow banned, suspended or whatever. And then the, they didn't tell you what it would be for. You'd get demonetized. You'd lose all kinds of money. Uh, in advertising that you couldn't make up. And by the time they would get around to answering you, if, you ever, if they ever felt like it, the damage was already done. In some cases, if you were a conservative, they would, as you said, with advertising, you would literally pay money, thousands of dollars to have advertising done on Facebook for your company, and they would not refund your money and not run your ads because they don't agree with your agenda or your company. Yeah. And, you know, we looked at social media before we started this podcast. We examined all that. We did deep dives and research into, into all those things on what platforms we could use. And we've taken a hit. We've taken a serious hit by not going onto those platforms. But let's be honest, would we still be around if we were on those platforms? And I'd argue probably not. Probably not. We've taken a hit as far as the advertising side. We've taken a hit as far as the popularity side because we haven't been able to reach as many people because we're using alternative forms of social media in order to advertise, such as Telegram. And uh, we were on Parler for a little bit. And then, of course, that went all crazy. You know what? I just don't have time for this other stuff like Gab and, and Getter and, and whatever the hell this one is, the truth, uh, the truth thing that, that Trump's got going on. Huh. I don't have time for that stuff. I, I just don't have time for that stuff. I got too much going on. You got too much going on. We're doing too much around here to be worried about that stuff. I, I just don't have time for it. None of us do. We, we don't have the, the finances to hire an army of people to sit around and, and tweet all day. We just don't we just don't have it. But people were saying, I mean, we talked to people that have degrees in like economy and, and marketing and things like that before we started. And they said, you've got to get on social media. You have to get on social media. And I'm sitting there across the table from them and, I, and I'm saying, what world are you living in? You're not hearing me. People like myself and people like other people that we're going to have on, we don't have a voice going forward. Do you not understand that? And apparently they still don't get it. I've talked to those same people. They still don't understand it. Because the first thing people ask me is, what's your Facebook page? I'm sorry, what? I don't have a Facebook page. What do you mean you don't have a Facebook page? People like ourselves are not welcome there. It's that simple. So is Facebook an extremist organization, according to the Russian courts? I'd argue yes. I, I really would. I'd argue yes. I think that social media has been, it's been misused and not by the people, not by the people that are on it. You know, you're going to have extremists on there anyway, look at it. But it's been misused by the people that are administering it, the people that run the companies. That's where the misuse is coming in. They're the ones that have been going along and getting in bed with all these governments and, and these political agendas and becoming political when they shouldn't be. You're supposed to be platforms. Be the town square. Stop advertising you're the town square when you're not. They've declared it as an extremist group. Fine. I have no argument with that. 
Now the question becomes, how much longer until we get, because all we need, we just need one ruling. That's all we need. We need one ruling to set a precedent. And then that's the end of it. Edward Dowd was talking about this when we played clips of him last week. He says, if you look at Twitter and Facebook stock, they're in the tank. They're in the tank. Facebook was on self-destruct before COVID. Let me explain. If you go back to the 2016 election, the events leading up to the 2016 election between Trump and Clinton, if you go back to that, Facebook was taking measures to censor people then, weren't they? Yeah. They were. And then after that happened, you had Zuckerberg being hauled in by House Democrats, people like Maxine Waters saying, how on earth did you people let this happen? Why didn't you do anything else to to censor these people? So they were already on self-destruct. If you extrapolate out the number of users that Facebook had from 2016 out to 2025, if you extrapolate that out, you look at 2025, by the numbers, Facebook will have more dead people on its platform than living people. So they've had to rapidly re-innovate. Zuckerberg comes out with a metaverse, doesn't he? They're introducing this idea of this virtual reality, whatever the hell this thing is. I have no desire or interest or anything like that at all. None whatsoever. They come out with this idea, this cartoony, bubbly world that you're going to go to work in. That's what you're, uh, and that's, that's really what they're talking about doing. You're going to go in there. You're going to take your meetings. You're going to go to your office, your virtual office and everything, because they are making the real world that we all occupy. We're, they're making it that world so hellish that you'll want to go in to that. And it's already a failing system as it's launched. It's the same thing with Klaus Schwab in his his great reset, which is not even his. If you look at this agenda, it's already failed. It's already failed. Why has it already failed? Because they've already lost the people. And when I say the people, I'm talking about the people that matter, the people that count. They've already lost the hearts and minds of people. The central banks have already lost the hearts and minds of people. They're rolling out a digital currency. They don't care. They don't care. It's going to fail. They don't care. They're going to roll it out anyway. So I, I have a um, slightly different view, I guess you could say, of the the, the banning of Facebook. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, by the Russians. Uh-huh. Um, so though I agree with the sentiment uh, as well, this is really about censoring and silencing any uh, information coming out of Ukraine about what's going on and it getting into Russia. Uh, Russia has is pretty strict on what information is fed to their populace. They have what? Two narratives uh, or two mainstreams medias, state run, basically. Yeah, RT, um, RT and um, uh, Sputnik. Th- those are their two. They've got others, but those are their, like their two largest ones. RTA, RTI, Novosti, I think, is like their biggest one, which is RT. Okay, so they, they essentially have those two mainstreams uh, as far as mainstream is concerned, and they all say the same narrative. So it, it, it's I think it's more about silencing... Um, any kind of information that's coming in with what's going on about Ukraine. I, I think there's also kind of a little bit of a retaliatory kind of a thing. They're trying to lash back at the company for doing this. Honestly, I, I don't think it really has anything to do with um, it really being an extremist. I think that's all just political posturing. I don't think they really think that. I think it's just they they need to find some way that they can legally, quote unquote, um, ban it. No argument. I, I appreciate your points on that. I, I do. I take that into consideration. I appreciate your points. However, I still agree with the, the fact that it's an extremist organization, whether it's a political game they're playing or not. I, I still believe that it is because yeah. how many times, how many times did 
the guys over at Project Veritas, O'Keefe and those guys, the great work those people do. Go check them out if you haven't already. Project Veritas. How many times have they had Facebook either top executives or people that have been embedded in their organization or people that have left their organization? They've come out and they said, we've literally sat there and watched the private messaging groups of BLM and Antifa during the riots of May of 2020 in America. We've literally watched them organize. We ran it up our, uh, our, our corporate hierarchy and we were told to leave it alone. Now, I'm sorry, but if you look at the billions, hundreds of billions of dollars of damage that were done in the United States in May, June, and July of 2020 after the events of George Floyd, if you look at the events across America between Antifa and BLM, and if you look at the organizations that were found to be allowing them to organize and conduct those <clears throat> mostly peaceful protests and the cold-blooded murder of police officers and innocent citizens, I'm sorry, how is that not an extremist organization? Just one man's opinion. I'm not disagreeing with the labeling in an extremist group or really, I'm not disagreeing with the sentiment at all. I, I'm just saying, as far as the Russians are concerned, I, I don't know that they're... Maybe they are. Maybe they see through the, the BS that most Americans aren't seeing through. I mean, it, it's possible. It's possible that, that here in America, we're being fed... Hell, not even just America, the Western world. It's possible we're being fed a propaganda and Russia isn't as bad as we're led to believe they are. And their actions are in retaliation to our governments branding them as being evil. I mean, that's a theoretical possibility. Am I saying that's the case and that Putin is a great individual? No, but it's still possible that uh, we're being lied to all the same. Oh, I wholeheartedly concur. We are being lied to on all sides here, on all sides. I take that as it is. Uh, anyway, footage has come out of China. Now, take that for what you will. But I saw it this morning. A 737 took a nosedive in China. Did you see this? Yeah. So uh, so I've seen the footage. We'll, we'll go over that part first. I've seen the footage. And it was in a, um, uh, you know, a, another uh, location that we share. And I had seen it and I was like, OK, that that looks like it's a, another Ukrainian Russian missile thing. And, you know, they were they were, you know, thermobaric or something. And I seen it hit the go into a tree line. And I was like, wait, there should have been a massive. Ex there, there wasn't a massive explosion. And there was fire shortly after. I was like, wait, this was something else. Uh, come to find out that was the, the crash after I had seen the headlines and kind of was looking into the news. Um, yeah, I. Um, I I have recently gone on a binge of um, science stuff. I do this every every so often. I, I go on a, like a nerdy science binge and and kind of you know watch a bunch of documentaries or or YouTube videos or something on science. And um, it just so happened to be aviation this time. And uh, I had watched some stuff on um, the basically all the major aircraft of today. Uh, and how they function and the deficiencies and how to make them more efficient and blah, blah, blah. Anyway, that's a long way of saying this aircraft to go into a, a steep nosedive like that, one of two things had to happen. One, the pilot intentionally did it, or two, the software completely bungled oh, it and was the software nosedive. It was, it. Yeah. It was vertical, it was, as in like yeah. straight down. I, I've never yeah. seen anything like that. So it, it had to have been either a failure of software, which we've seen with the 777s, or 
Yeah, yeah, seven, seven, seven. Anyway, seven, eight, sevens, wasn't it? The Dreamliners. Uh, I think it first started in the seven, seven, sevens, and the seven, seven, eight, or seven, eight, sevens had it as well. Yeah, they grounded the seven, eighty, sevens for a while. Yeah, the the Dreamliners or whatever they were, they they grounded those. Yeah, because I I remember they were they were delayed by like two or three years or something like that because they had software problems. Yeah, it was basically to to summarize what was going on with that one is. Instead of it, they, they had to change the way those aircraft are placed. The center of gravity versus the center of lift is forward. So the center of gravity is forward a bit. So the plane, if it were to balance on lift, the nose would go down. But because of the way the tail section is oriented, it pulls the plane up. So what ends up happening is if the nose goes too far down, the angle of the tail gets sharper. So it pushes the plane, the nose up, vice versa. If the nose goes too high, the tail section wants to push it down again. So it tries to level itself out. That's how they're designed. Well, the 787, the problem was the center points had shifted. So it was causing the plane to nosedive. So they used software to counter this. Anyway, all that to say they were being cheap. And instead of requiring more certifications for pilots, because this was a new design, uh, instead of doing that, they just effectively used the same design and uh, bypassed having to do the certification, saved like two or three years on that certification process and got the planes out immediately. And that's why there was so many problems, um, software issue uh, because of the hardware design. Anyway, all that to say, uh, this aircraft that crashed, it had to be more than likely it had to be a mechanical failure because it, it is an older design or it was intentional by the pilot. You know, China doesn't operate on the same air safety standards as we do here in the West. I don't think they follow any of our safety standards of any kind, but that's not to say that they're that they're bad, but I guess more or less it's to say that they don't follow the same ones, so we really don't know what they follow, uh, if that makes any sense. Uh, I just know that they don't follow the same ones. Now, I do know that when it comes to a lot of safety standards in China, uh, let's just say that they sometimes they look over some things because it gets in the way. How many times have you seen like, oh, I don't know, uh, a natural gas explosion or uh, an apartment building just fall down or uh, somebody walking along the street and they just fall through the sidewalk kind of thing because they just overlook things. And I'm not saying that that's what happened here. Again, it, like you said, it could have been uh, it could have been intentional. And here's the other thing. I could be wrong. I don't know if you're sitting there reviewing the video or not. But what I saw in the video that I saw when it comes down, so this angle right here, where you see it going straight down, I saw at the top here what looked like to be uh, a puff of black smoke in some manner. Uh, now, I, I can't be sure of that because the video was just, uh, it was so far zoomed out and everything else. But is it entirely possible? And I, may, maybe this is a stretch. My first thought was, because everything's been grounded now, right? Everything's been grounded globally. Everything's been grounded. And we're seeing an oil shortage. We're seeing a rise in commodity prices. They want to stop people from traveling because of the whole uh, Great Reset thing. Everybody needs to stop traveling because, you know, you need to save the earth. Was it intentionally brought down? That, again, that's that's sheer speculation. That is sheer speculation. I have nothing to base that on. I'm just I'm just throwing that out there as a possibility because we're discussing possibilities. So based on the location that it, would, it happened at, it's it's actually possible. Now, I'm, I'm being a little facetious with this. 
um, the, the, the plane went through one of the um, radioactive clouds from the reactor down there in the southeast, and it just uh-huh. went straight down. Well, um, the Taishan uh, nuclear facility is down there because it, it did it take is, off from, it is down the there. Hong Kong yeah. region. Yeah. yeah, it was cruising at 30,000 feet before it went down. Um, it was uh, Wuxiao. Is that, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing that's how you, um, you pronounce it, W-U-Z-H-O-U. Yeah, I'm looking at it now. I, th- I think you're right. I, I don't know. My, okay. I need I'm, I, in here. I tried my best um, yeah. uh, with the knowledge I have on that. Um, and you, you can't even argue that it was too close to like, like the, the Taiwan debacle and, you know, Taiwan shot it down or something like that. Uh, it's too far from that to be uh, uh, what went on. So I... I I don't think it was shot down. Um, there didn't look like uh, there, there, there was any kind of superficial damage. Um, you, you could, in the video, it was low quality, uh, but you could still see the basic shape of the aircraft. So I, I, I don't, I, I don't really know. And the thing is, is it was moving at such a rate of speed and where it crashed, I don't think there's going to be much left to go through and try to figure out what the cause of the crash was. Um, well, the black box would have survived, I would think. Those things are designed to be indestructible, more or less. Are they not? They are, but I don't know what the tolerance limit is on those. Um, and we may never see that information. I mean, it, it was traveling at saying, 350 miles per that, hour. Hold on a minute. Hold on a minute. Are you insinuating that China wouldn't be honest and have an open investigation and share their findings with the world? Yeah, that that's exactly what I'm saying. Yeah. How dare you? How dare you insinuate such such things? How dare you? Upon looking at the uh, the crash site, yeah, there's uh, there's <laughs> there's not much left. Not much at all. It's pretty much yeah. It's it's pretty much a uh, that's pretty much a lost cause. Okay. Well, let's get on to a conspiracy theory, shall we? We all love a good conspiracy theory, don't we? We all love a good one, right? We got the, the, the best conspiracy theory that we got lined up today that you could ask for, and that is the Hunter Biden laptop, right? This was a big, big conspiracy theory. It was put together by, uh, was it, was, it was right-wing extremists, right? Isn't that what we were told? Uh, and it was Russian disinformation, right? Yeah, it was uh, New York Post, you know, rag yeah, media, blah, blah, uh-huh. blah. Yeah, yeah, whatever. yeah. CNN, MSNBC, and CBS... All told viewers that the Hunter Biden laptop story was Russian disinformation. In fact, we actually have, I want to say this was CBS, uh, was it CBS where Biden, Hunter Biden himself sat down to talk about the laptop and he was asked point blank this question. Was that your laptop? For real, I don't know. I know, but, but you know that's, is, this is- I really a, don't know okay. the answer is. That's you don't know yes or no if the laptop was I don't have any yours. idea. I have no idea. So could have been yours. Of course, certainly. It, 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 there could be a laptop out there that was stolen from me. There could be that I was hacked. It could be that it was, the, that it was Russian intelligence. It could be that it was stolen from me. You see? You see, it, it, it could be that that was the case. It could be that that was what was going on. But, uh, I mean, it, it was clearly it was Russian intelligence. You, you, heard, you heard what he said. Clearly it was Russian intelligence. He did say it was stolen twice. He, he did say that, yeah. Although he was yeah. so coked out of his mind, he just dropped it off at a computer repair shop in Delaware. And, well, the guy that was the store owner, he didn't even know what was going on with it until it came time for payment to be due on it. And nothing ever was done about it. There was never any callback number or anything like that. So he thought, okay, well, what am I supposed to do with it? So he cracked it open and was getting ready to reformat it. And he saw horrible things on there. And so, of course, 
he had to report it, as anybody would have, myself included. I would have taken it straight to the police. What else would you do? And of course, there were copies made. I know of, uh, let me see, Gi Giuliani had a copy of it. Yeah, Giuliani got raided by the FBI. And they were to take all electronic equipment, all of it. And of course, Giuliani, being a lawyer himself, he said, all right, I'm, I know what's on the warrant, clearly. He says, you're taking everything. You need to take these two. And the FBI says, what's that? And he says, it's the Hunter Biden laptop. He says, no, 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 no. I, I can't take that. He says, well, you have to. It's on the warrant. He says, no, we, we can't. We can't take those. No, we can take everything. We have to take everything else. We, we can't take those. You're supposed to take those, sir. It's on the warrant. The New York Times last week confirmed the authenticity of Hunter Biden's missing laptop, a story which was originally dismissed as, you just heard Hunter Biden himself, Russian disinformation. Now, I'm just curious, now that this is all transpired, can we now legitimately say that President Joe Biden is and, and his entire family and the administration are compromised? Can we at least admit that now? Can we get one admission that those of us that were running around screaming about, hey, um, it's not Trump that's in bed with the Russians. Believe me, I'm not a fan of Trump these days, but it's not Trump that's in bed with the Russians. It's the Bidens. Does anybody want to bring that up? Anybody want to mention that? The whole um, Hunter Biden Burisma thing. Oh, that was a conspiracy theory too, right? The whole Ukrainian gas company deal. That was all a conspiracy theory. I think it'll be brought up now, though. It's politically expedient for them to remove Biden. So they'll 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 bring it up. They're leaving it open for them to use for the future. And then, of course, you had Joe Biden who came out and, and said this on uh, what was this? What was this on like Wednesday of last week? We couldn't figure out why he makes a statement like this. We couldn't figure out why he made it. But then it all makes sense. He's trying to get out in front of the story is what happened. So we established a new civil rights, a new civil rights cause of action for those whose intimate images were shared on the public screen. How many times have you heard? I bet everybody knows somebody somewhere along the line that in an intimate relationship, what happened was the guy takes a revealing picture of his naked friend or whatever in a compromising position. And then literally in a sense blackmails him or, or mortifies that person. Send it out. Put it online. Now, Bruce, everybody knows. Well, you heard him. Everybody knows somebody who took a picture of their naked friend and, and put it out there online for, for everybody to see. Everybody knows that, D don't they? I mean, do you, <laughs> do you know people that, uh, that personally? Because everybody knows, right? Clearly, everybody knows the people that do that. Yeah. Uh, I mean, clearly, you know, uh, if I knew anyone, if any of my buddies did that to one of their, I don't know, and this, the, the way he's wording it there, it would be buddies did it to a, their girlfriend or ex-girlfriend or whatever. I would have beat the snot out of them for doing it. That's something that <laughs> you just don't do that. But I, I, I did think it sounded weird initially. Part of me was kind of like, you know, <sighs> We already have laws that cover that. So why are you doing this? And if you throw in the, the Hunter, the laptop scenario, it could get this if it, if it were to, you know, end up in court, it could get it all thrown out because of this new legislation they're trying to push. So, yeah, I could see I could see that being he's trying to cover his own ass. Yeah. And this was this was uh, Peter Schweitzer on uh, Maria Bartiromo, I think. I think that's who this is on, on Fox News. I, I don't know. I can't be sure of that. I think that's who this is. Uh, but this was him on what the uh, possible indictment 
is going to look like. Let, let's hear this. I, I don't know. I don't know. But let, let, let's hear it anyway. Welcome back. We are back with Peter Schweitzer, the president of the Government Accountability Institute, as we talk about all of the alleged money and deals that Hunter Biden did with officials across the world, particularly in China, Russia and Ukraine. Peter was showing the business deals that includes a three and a half million dollar check from the uh, former uh, mayor of Moscow's wife. Give us your take on the FBI and the Department of Justice's investigation right now into all of this. Is the FBI investigating Hunter Biden? And could that happen while Joe Biden is president? Yeah, in fact, I think this New York Times piece, the fact that they got cooperation from Team Biden and probably from the Hunter Biden legal team is an indication to me they are extremely concerned that he is going to be indicted. This grand jury has been meeting since 2018. They were suspended during COVID because of health care protocols. It's back up and running. And it's very clear that when it comes to the, uh, the issues related to tax evasion and money laundering and the other issues wrapped up with it, they are extremely concerned that Hunter Hunter Biden's going to be indicted. And I think this article is an effort to frame that conversation in a way that could be the most favorable to them. So in other words, while they were trying to impeach Donald Trump, the FBI knew all of this existed. They knew about the laptop and they didn't say anything while Trump was accused of, of, of uh, doing uh, deals or, or, or having a bad phone yes. call with the Ukraine president. Yes, that's exactly right, Maria. Uh, they knew it all the time, and that deserves investigation as well. Now, unless the entire Department of Justice was living under a rock for the last five years, what everybody was jumping up and down with their hair on fire screaming about was actually going on. It wasn't the Trump campaign that was in bed with the Russians and the Ukrainians. Had nothing to do with that. Instead, they redirected everything back to Trump. It was the opposite camp. I'm not saying I'm a fan of Trump here. Believe me, I'm not I'm not trying to defend the guy, but I'm just going after what we all knew. We all knew this at the time. Everybody knew this at the time. Of course, the FBI knew it. I'm almost insulted to hear the fact that she even asked that question. Of course, they knew it and they covered it up. Now, what's going on inside the inner workings of the Department of Justice? I don't know. I don't know. I do know that as the average American citizen just looking at it, I can tell you the entire organization needs to be flushed. All of it. But do I think that the FBI is going to look into Hunter Biden now that they've confirmed the laptop story? No. No, I don't. And if they do, it'll be very minimal stuff. They'll brush around the edges of something. They'll get one of his cohorts or something that he did business with, like they did with, uh, what's his name? Um, uh, what the hell is that guy's name? Babalone uh, uh, or whatever the hell his name was. or Babalinsky or something. Babalinsky, that was the guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or they'll get Archer or one of those other guys to take the fall. That's my opinion. I don't know if that's actually going to happen. I don't know. But I do know that whatever's going on at the Department of Justice, the entire Department of Justice, I know that there's something in there that stinks. I don't know where that rot is coming from, but it's at the top. And when I say it's at the top, it's not just this Hunter Biden story. It's not that. It's more than that. It's the January 6th thing. We've got political prisoners in America. I never thought in my lifetime we would ever actually say anything like that. We've got political prisoners in America from the whole debacle of January 6th, which, by the way, I hold Trump responsible for. He's down at CPAC talking up all this stuff. And yeah, we're going to do this. We're going to do that. Sir, you've got people sitting in a D.C. prison rotting that haven't been charged with anything because you told them to show up there. I'm sorry. Um, I, I don't let things like that go. No attention's being paid to that by anybody in that camp. And it pisses me off. Even someone that's that's charged with attempted murder. 
in America gets a magistrate, you get bond, you get a bail hearing, you get a phone call, you get a lawyer. These people get none of that. So I don't know what's going on there at the DOJ. I don't know. And I'll reference this as well. When you've got the assistant director of the FBI sitting before a Senate committee being questioned by Ted Cruz, asking about the people like Ray Epps that were advocating for people to go into the Capitol on January 6th, she's flat out asked, the assistant director of the FBI is flat out asked, under oath in the United States Senate, was Ray Epps a Fed? Sir, I can't answer that question. Oh, yes, you damn well can. She just did. I mean, by saying you can't answer it, it's very clear. You're, yeah, yeah, it, that's, it, that's, a, yeah that's, that's an answer. That's an answer. Of course they know. So again, it's not just the Hunter Biden thing. That's part of this, uh, this whole stench of just this swamp. It's so much more than that. There's so many other things. Was the FBI actually responsible for January 6th? I'm beginning to think so. The more we look at all this footage that's coming out, you've got guys in the Capitol building already before it was breached, looking at the cameras in the Capitol building, pointing at doors as if to say, open this door. I mean, if I'm in a business and I'm on the security cameras and I've got access to buzz people into electronic doors and I see somebody, a worker, a maintenance man, or, or something like that, or another security guy down on the floor, and he's looking up at the camera, knowing I'm watching that camera, and he's pointing it at the door, that means open the door. That only means one thing. And as the door gets open, this guy's dragging Capitol Police officers through it physically and tossing them to the side, tossing them to the ground. And the Capitol Police officers do nothing. Shouldn't they, by decree, be, I don't know, uh, clubbing them in the back of the knee and, and, and putting handcuffs on them and dragging them away? When you grab a police officer, I don't care if it's a DC cop or not, any police officer, you grab a police officer and you toss him to the ground and kick him out of the way, that is assault on a police officer. That's an arrestable offense. Instead, these cops get up, stand aside, and then they give a high five to these guys. Something's wrong there. So do I think the FBI is going to look into Hunter Biden's laptop? No, I don't. They had it a year before Rudy had his copy um, and they did nothing. Uh, we had Barr sitting over the DOJ uh, for Trump's term, and you've seen how much of a pansy he was, uh, how much great he did for the Justice Department. Yeah, no. It's all a deep state, basically. That's all it is. And to that end, let's segue here a little bit. Let's talk about the whole Russia-Putin thing, whatever, the Ukrainian thing. And I know we talked about that with uh, with big tech in the beginning, but that was more about big tech. That was less about Russia. That was more about big tech. Ukrainian intelligence, take that for what you will, because while the U.S. was kind of key in setting up the Ukrainian uh, intelligence services to date, was it not? I mean, along with the, you know, along with the anti-corruption stuff, I mean, because the United States isn't corrupt. We, we, we don't have a, we don't have an unintelligent community, do we? No, of course we don't. Ukrainian intelligence says that Russian elites, as in the oligarchs, they're planning to overthrow Putin. Do you believe that? No. Their lives, their lives had, well, no, take, take this into consideration. Their lives have been drastically altered, shall we say. They've had to uh, give up their, uh, their ventures all around the globe. They've had to return to Russia. And these Western countries, now Spain has jumped on board. They've now They've now seized a couple of Russian oligarchs' yachts, so we're just stealing more of their property now. I, I don't care what you think of Russian oligarchs. That's stealing. That's stealing. That's what that is. So I don't know. I don't know. But at the same time, I also look at this and I see I see Lindsey Graham behind that kind of rhetoric is what I see personally, because Lindsey Graham's been up on TV. What's he called for Putin's assassination? What, three times now or three or four times, whatever it is. 
saying, well, uh, some people in Russia just need to do the right thing and, and just get rid of this guy. Well, the only people in Russia outside of uh, people in the government, which Putin's already made sure that those people are, uh, are in line with where he's at. He's made sure of that to secure his position there. And I don't blame the guy for doing that. But the only other people in Russia that could pull something like that off would be the oligarchs, would it not? Maybe. So the oligarchs, the only reason the oligarchs exist is because of Putin. Um, so I don't know if I, I don't know if they're I don't know how loyal they are uh, in this. It, yes, they've been westernized. They've gotten a, tes a taste of Western culture. But at the same time, we don't know how deep um, the loyalties Putin has go. Um, one of the oligarchs may try to lash out and end up dead themselves and their entire family. Uh, I mean, the, the thing is, is the risks are really high. If, if they fail, that's the end of the, the entirety of their livelihood, their bloodline, everything like they're done. Putin will not show weakness in that. So uh, what, what I think is more going on here is this is a I think this is a political move to try to cause distrust uh, among the oligarchs and Putin and whatnot to, to, to try to put a wedge in between them. I think that's more of what's going on than uh, the oligarchs actually uh, are going to attempt this. If this were true and one of the oligarchs was legitimately going to try to do this, why the hell would you make this public? On top of that, listen to this. Poisoning, sudden illness, or an accident. You know, accident, as in quote, accidents. Russia's elite is considering removing Putin. Now, that was a statement that was made by the chief directorate of intelligence for the Ministry of Defense of Ukraine. Guess where he made that statement? Wasn't on the minutes of some uh, classified meeting or something like that. He did it on Sunday in a Facebook post. Again, Bruce, I, I'm reassuring your point there is all I'm doing is saying, why would you make that public? Well, he did it on Facebook of all places. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense uh, strategically to tell the enemy what your next move is going to be. It makes no sense that that's going on. So this is this all has to be political. And the, the, the other thing about that is uh, you, you notice the title there, awful long title. The U.S. had a lot of involvement in creating their intelligence and their anti-corruption department. In fact, the only reason the anti-corruption department exists was because of the American corruption creating, finger quote, anti-corruption department. Was the Obama administration just saying? Yeah. yeah. So I don't trust the legitimacy of this. No, I, uh, I don't either. And of course, this is going to cause uh, this is going to cause some problems in the uh, in the commodities market just a little bit. Yeah, just a little bit. If you notice, oil is well, it's gone up just a little bit. I, I don't know. Have you noticed that? Have you noticed that oil's gone up? By the way, that that's going to cause everything else to go up too. I, I know that's that's difficult for uh, for for a lot of these woke morons to understand. But just because your your fuel goes up, that doesn't mean that everything else is going to stay the same. That's not how that works. So. Who would you hold responsible for that? If you're the average person out there, who would you hold responsible for that? I know that the uh, the Biden stickers are becoming very popular. They're just about every gas station you go to now across the U.S. You know, the I did that sticker is <laughs> pointing at the, the price. Well, I saw a meme today of um, uh, you remember Kyle Rittenhouse. I, I know it's, it's pretty terrible, but, you know, the kid's been acquitted. But, uh, you know, Kyle Rittenhouse, he was on the stand when he took the stand in his own defense. And the, the poor kid, he broke down on the stand. Right. And he just he lost it. Well, there's a meme now of him breaking down on the stand and holding up a, a gas pump nozzle and filling up his car. <laughs> is that not true? Is, is that not true? Yeah. 
yeah that that that's effectively what's going on right now this is i believe the highest gas prices we've seen since well actually ever in my area this is the highest gas prices have ever been i was going to say since the 80s but it didn't get this high back then here it didn't it didn't get this high here during obama's uh tenure or when we were in iraq afghanistan all that debacle it wasn't this high i mean we're we're seeing four dollars in some places well california seeing eight yeah well, I mean, this is, you know, we're we're literally in the heart of oil. Oh, yeah, country. you're you, you're you're yeah. literally an oil town like you like yeah. refineries and wells and everything else. And it's yeah. it's four dollars. That's ridiculous. Our largest city here is uh, like the smell when you land at the airport is the oil and gas, the smell of crude. How dare you? How dare you? How dare you hate the environment like that? What's wrong with you now? You might be asking, whose fault is it? Whose fault is that? Well, of course, what, what's the administration doing? They're blaming Putin and they're blaming the oil companies and, and everything else. As a matter of fact, so much so that oil executives have been summoned by House Democrats over $4 a gallon gasoline. They're going to drag in the oil executives and say, now, you, Mr. Oil Executive, damn it, you explain yourself. Why is gasoline $4 a gallon? Well, it's not their fault. Bruce, you broke this down last week. Do you know how much an oil company actually makes... As in like, and we're not talking about like the, the big guys, not like Ashland Marathon or Standard Oil or those companies. Those are billion dollar companies. What about the small oil companies? I'm talking about like the small regional oil companies, the ones that have to plan years in advance. When you hear Biden sit up there and he talks about, oh, they've got 9,000 contracts that are already done. They just haven't done anything about it. It's their fault. No. Do you know how long it takes to get a contract to drill for an oil well? You have to explore that well. Then you have to find out whether or not it's going to produce. You got to get guys out there to do that. Then you have to bring it to market. Do you know the process of bringing oil out of the ground to get it into transport, to get the logistics line flowing, to get it to a refinery? Because we don't just mine gasoline. Just gasoline and diesel don't come out of the ground. It comes out as raw crude. And then you have to take it to a refinery and get it changed into what blends and what grades of fuel we actually need, like kerosene, diesel, gasoline, these types of things. We need to do this process. So it's not as simple as a company just going out, getting a permit, and then going somewhere and then drilling, and then setting all that up. It doesn't work like that. I wish to God it was that simple. It's never been that simple. As a matter of fact, it used to be more difficult than what it is now. But you're a company, you're a small regional oil company or whatever that you've got, I don't know, I don't know, 100 employees, you know, half those guys work on rigs and everything else. You've got to have the exploratory stuff. You've got to get the permits first. Then you've got to do the exploring. Then you have to get more permits. Then you have to get more inspections done. Then you have to set up your transport. Then you have to figure out how you're going to get it extracted. Then you have to get it to the refinery. And then you have to set up deals with the refineries. And then you have to have distribution as to who's going to buy it. All of this costs a lot of money. It costs a lot of time. By the time a company, a small regional oil company, gets a permit and gets all of this set up, it might be three to five years. That's about how long it takes. Or Bruce, am I wrong? Am I wrong? You're, you're more familiar with the oil and gas business and everything else. You're down there. You're in an oil town. Am I wrong? No, that's... Uh that's pretty accurate. And the, as I said before, it's in the vicinity of about 15% of uh, the, the gas price is actual profit. The thing is, is when you break it down and, and look at the 15%, it's not 15% is profit just from one uh, company. Really, it boils down to pennies per company that the, that oil and gas goes through to get to the pump. 
and it overall it ends up being uh, about fifteen percent. Uh, so every time it it transitions between uh, like transportation makes a small uh, you know when they transport the stuff it it makes a small amount of profit uh, you know like three percent or something like that. But then it after you add all of it together from each one, it's about fifteen percent of the price of gas is uh, profit between all the companies and the the different steps that they got there. Everything else is the cost uh, of it. And government taxes and government ta- taxes make up about 40 some percent of it. And then the timeline as far as like getting permits to exploratory to setting up everything, setting up your rig and everything else, and then actually getting your product out of the ground and to the refinery. It's literally about three to five years, is it not? Oh, no, 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 no. Uh, Pasaki, she she cleared that up and said, we've already got. 9,000 contracts. 9, ready, contracts. They're, they're already, <laughs> right. yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. So just, they, all, they, all that's holding them just back ignoring is just those. getting it. Yeah, they're just, yeah, yeah. The, the companies are just ignoring yeah. those and, and mm-hmm. not mm-hmm. not doing that. And never mind the fact they put a freeze on new leases for drilling. So you, you can't even get yeah. the permit now that you need to even explore. So yeah, that's been, all, all federal land, they, they blocked drilling in all federal lands. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, you see, that's okay because we're going to have to tighten our belts, right? We're going to have to tighten our belts when it comes to, to oil consumption. We're going to have to do that. The United Nations has stepped in. Bruce is already laughing. <laughs> the United Nations has stepped in and they've decided they're going to take more of a leadership role when it comes to telling you how your oil consumption should be maintained. The UN chief, uh, what's what the hell is this, this useless individual's name? The UN Secretary General, Antonio Gutierrez, has said on Monday that the pain of soaring gas prices must be endured because any wider embrace of fossil fuels as an alternative is madness. And it threatens the global climate targets. Well, see, that just settles it right there. That that just settles it right there. We should just we should shut down all petrochemicals, which, by the way, I'm actually for. But you need to have an alternative that's as good or better to replace it with. It's actually an innovation and it's actually cleaner. But we don't have that. So you can't just turn off what we have. You have to make do with what we have to get to something better. But anyway, back to being facetious. Well, it's it's clear now, isn't it, that we just need to shut down everything. We have to we have to stop all of it. By the way, do, do you know you know how much that would affect your life if you shut down petrochemicals completely, you would have nothing. When I say nothing, I mean, there's no transport trucks running. There's no logistical supply line. There's no farming. There's nothing. There's no new cars. There's no phones that you love so much. There's no internet. There's no electricity. There's no running water because you need electricity to have running water in your house to keep pressurized. There's none of that. There's no sanitation. There's no waste pickup services. There's no home deliveries. You can kiss your Amazon goodbye. There's none of this. Does this not register with people? Does it not? I mean, I remember I remember Google, right? Google, don't be evil. You know that company? I remember Google saying in 2012, they launched a five-year venture years prior. In 2000 and, uh, 2008 or something like that, they launched a five-year venture to determine what needed to be done in order to get civilization, as in all humans, off of fossil fuels. I remember they actually did this. This was a big thing at the time. All eyes were on what Google was going to uh, uncover here. All eyes were on that. Their findings? Oh, it didn't make the newspapers because it wasn't what needed to be set. So what did they find out? A five-year long-term study, a venture into getting humanity off of fossil fuels completely and onto 100% renewables and, and everything else that even extrapolating out for this whole uh, wind, solar, battery, useless nonsense, right? All this stuff. Extrapolating out for that. They abandon their five-year venture after 24 months. 
after two years, they gave it up and they said, this is impossible. Google said this. They said, this is impossible. This can't be done. The reason it cannot be done is because our entire civilization as humans on this planet, our entire civilization would have to change. As in everything that I just mentioned about your deliveries and your waste sanitation services and uh, uh, water, electricity, everything else, all of that would go away. We're literally back to horse and buggy. We're 200 years in the past if we don't have petrochemicals. We're 200 years. That's no plastics, no petrochemicals of any kind, nothing. After two years, they abandoned it. Again, this wasn't mentioned at all by the United Nations or, or anybody? No. Instead, what do you get? What do you get? You get some bum up there like Klaus Schwab saying, oh, uh, uh, the future's ours. Uh, again, you never admit fault, right? You double down. Isn't that what they do? This was his statement. It's been a while ago he said this, but we just grabbed a hold of it over the weekend. Take a listen to this. What pleasure to be together again and to design the future. We are here to develop the great narrative, a story for the future. In order to shape the future, you have first to imagine the future, you have to design the future, and then you have to execute. Here, I think the next two days, we will look how we imagine, how we design, how we execute the great narratives, how we define the story of our world for the future. The great narrative, how you define the story. Well, it's as simple as this. You're going to tell a story because you don't have any idea of what to build. That's my assumption. And I'm assuming that based on what we've been able to dig up with Mr. Schwab here. You see, if Google Right. And believe me, I'm not a fan of Google. I haven't used Google in years. I had to do something with Google over the weekend. And uh, man, it pained me to just sit down for 10 minutes and look at all that stuff. But it wasn't even for me. It was for something else. But side issue. If Google, the most, uh, and I would argue one of the most powerful entities, I think Google, that's, they've actually worked themselves up to that. They've, uh, Google has actually worked themselves up to being that. That one of the most powerful entities or corporations or whatever you want to call it on this planet, if they, with unlimited capital at their hand, right? Not like these governments. At least Google has profit they can work with. These governments are broke. If Google, of all people, of all companies, say that this is, this is madness, this is impossible. And they said this years ago. They said this nine, 10 years ago. They said this is madness. And they were ignored. Now, all of a sudden, you've got, you've got Klaus Schwab. <laughs> Who's going to step up and he's going he's gonna to tell you a story? He's going to imagine the future? Well, that's, that's okay. You're allowed to imagine right? You're allowed to, you're allowed to be a free thinker. I'm not going to fault you for that. But this guy, this guy, th this, this nobody, th this, this, <laughs> this guy is going to imagine your future. I don't think so. I, I don't think so. And, and the more I'm learning about this guy, the less I take this, this bum seriously. And it's not just me. I ran across some videos over the weekend of uh, some of the protests in Germany. Bruce, I was showing you that the, the German protesters, they're walking down the streets now with uh, with Klaus Schwab masks and wearing prison stripe jumpsuits. <laughs> it's hilarious. But they're going to design the future based on what? Is it going to be the alternative energy sources that we actually need to innovate towards? I would argue no, because they're an enemy of what? First and foremost, carbon, right? Carbon. Carbon is the basis of all life. All life. What does that mean? If you look at it in a larger scope of things, what does that mean? That means they are at war with all 
life, aren't they? You've got Bloomberg who tweeted the following over the weekend. Inflation, right? Because inflation, that's part of the, the whole gas thing too, right? Because that's, you know, you're going to see inflation in, in just about everything. You're going to see higher gas prices and inflation is going to go towards that. Bruce talked about $400 gallon gasoline last week. That's what you get with inflation. Bloomberg tweeted this. Of course, Bloomberg, you know, WEF, ESG compliant, right? All the rest of it. On board with the... Uh, the Sustainable Development Goals from the United Nations Agenda 2030. They tweeted the following. Inflation stings the most if you earn less than $300,000 a year. But that's okay. Here's how to deal with it. Number one. You ready for this? Four points they made. Number one, take the bus. Bruce, do you hear that? Take the bus. To save on inflation, take the bus. It's going to be tough around here. Uh, we do have a bus line, but it's a single bus line. And the, the places that it'll take you is very limited. So if you no, you're, no, you're, work no, on see, a certain part of town, you're, you're kind of out of luck. No, see, you're missing the point. But see, in order to avoid inflation, you need to take the bus. You're, you're not listening. You, you need to take but the bus. wouldn't that also, wouldn't buses also see signs of inflation because the cost to run the bus would increase, the, the cost of fuel for the bus would increase? I mean, it, the, the buses aren't magical, you know, the objects that just transport you around everywhere for free. Oh, they're not? I, I thought they were. But I mean, in order to, but see, that, that's, you're talking about something else. I'm talking about how to avoid inflation here. So yeah. take the bus, take the bus, yeah. take the bus yeah. you don't have. Okay. You got it. You, you got it. Okay. You take the bus you don't have. Most of rural America doesn't have a bus line, by the way. Number two, don't buy in bulk. Okay. Um, don't destroy our economy and make us afraid that our economy is going to collapse and we won't buy in bulk to protect ourselves. Well, you, you shouldn't you shouldn't have more than that day's worth of food in your home anyway. What's wrong with you? You're thinking of only yourself. You shouldn't do that. But again, to avoid inflation, to try and stay away from inflation, you need to not buy in bulk. That's that's the underlying message here. So just don't buy in bulk, right? Don't don't mind the fact that your food prices are through the roof anyway. But I mean, don't don't buy in bulk and you won't have to worry about the extra inflation that you're gonna have to spend. Uh, number three, try lentils instead of meat. Everything with the World Economic Forum is to get you to eat plant-based meat. Bill Gates is going to give you 3D printed steaks that he owns, and it's all GMO plants, and the plants actually do more harm because you're actually creating more waste from the plants because you're, yeah, like this, and you're going to eat bugs <laughs> well, and insect butter and, and everything else, right? You, you remember all this? Yeah, and the psychological damage you would take because of the lack of the proper chemicals and whatnot. Yes. Uh, red meat has certain chemicals in it that helps your brain function it also helps mood uh, to be fair some of the lentil pasta is actually pretty good true um i actually like lentils so i do yeah but the same not as a um, not, not as a meat substitute meat. yeah not as a meat substitute no. i like lentils i i do i, mm -hmm. I put them on salads mm -hmm. and, and things from time to time i'll put them in soups they're, they're fantastic i'll put them in chili mm -hmm. even uh and it's it, it's great but not as a meat replacement yeah you, you've also got like beef and whatnot in the chili as well yeah. so yeah well i mean i don't put a whole bunch in there obviously for obvious reasons but sure yeah sure yeah the, the thing is is unfortunately here to buy the products they're saying to buy uh, like if avoiding meats and and using the other that's expensive that is really expensive to go the the route that they're telling you to go use lentils instead of meat it's expensive to go that route just the same as it is to use meat well see bruce that rolls right into number four nobody said this would be fun so who was it that i i, I don't remember having a committee or a vote or even our politicians talking about how we all want to go through inflation, how we all want to do this. I, I don't recall there being a vote on this. 
No, there was no vote because you'll own nothing and you'll be happy about it, right? So there's there's no vote. No no vote to be had there, my friend. I mean, technically, if you really want to get into it, I know I, I was kind of being facetious on that one, but technically there was votes that happened over and over and over. And we had, at least in my uh, 20 years of knowing somewhat of what was going on politically, um, I, um, I recall many votes for politicians, the same politicians, over and over, the same politicians that were voting to not have a budget, the, the same politicians that were basically screwing us over, they, they kept getting reelected. Over and over, we voted to uh, take it up the, the backside with, with politicians. We just kept voting them in over and over again. Uh, same ones that were screwing us over. How many years have we not had a budget now? Uh, in the U.S. Since the 90s, I think. Yeah. Uh, we are going to have to go. For those of you who would like to uh, send us some feedback, we would love to hear from you. Please do so anytime by sending us an email at dynamicpodcast at protonmail.com. Also, we would love it if you would pass us along to your family, friends, and known associates. Did you know someone you're trying to wake up? Do you know someone you're trying to point in the right direction? you know somebody that you're trying to get to think on their own? We would appreciate it if you would send them our way. We love bringing on all uh, all new listeners and getting people to think for themselves. I want to thank you for being here today, Bruce. Thank you to all of the listeners. Everyone have a fantastic evening.